It's Pastor Mike. I want to talk about Chapter 3, Learning to Study the Bible on Your Own. Critically important. This is foundational for Christians and uh, certainly for those who understand the Bible as we do to be God's written revelation. We cannot rely simply upon what people say the Bible says or means, or we can't just uh, feed exclusively on preaching. We need to learn to study the Bible on our own. Uh, in Acts 17, for instance, great example of how Luke, the author of Acts, says that when Paul preached in Berea, he um, was, uh, they were all impressed by the Bereans' eagerness and their willingness to dive into the Scripture, to examine the Scriptures every day to see that if uh, what Paul was saying was actually true, to weigh the claims against the Scripture. And that's what chapter 3 is all about, helping us uh, as a Christian community to be skilled in a method of Bible study. We call it an inductive method of Bible study, where we're going to draw conclusions from what we read in the Bible and come to understand what the truth of God is. Our memory verse that we want our disciple to know and, uh, and, and learn and memorize is uh, from 2 Timothy 3.16. Very important for us to emphasize that and even spend a little time as we recite it uh, that the Scriptures is, is given uh, as though God has breathed it out, uh, as the ESV puts it. Uh, it's breathed out by God. That is um, uh, obviously something I trust you've been exposed to or you've heard preached about, but to be able to understand how God is using human instruments to put forth His message to where the end or the the, the, the end result and the, and the byproduct is God gets down on paper exactly what He wants to have written, and that uh, is what uh, chapter 3 is really based on, an understanding of the high view of Scripture that it is God's revealed Word, and every Christian needs to get into it and understand it and feed on it himself, even as a safety check that they know that what they're hearing from the pulpit or in Bible studies, they can compare it to what they know and study in the Scriptures themselves. So, critically important chapter. Uh, and at this point, I should mention a little bit about the memorization. If they're struggling with memorization, as we said before, uh, spend time uh, helping them to master it. They may come in and it's only 50% memorized. Have some time uh, at the beginning where you allot for helping them get it down cold, and that can be done together. You can work on sections of it together. Uh, but as they go along, I trust, and get in the pattern of memorizing a verse every week, this will become something that uh, that is easier. But we want to be... Uh, pretty firm and, and and make sure that we emphasize the importance of memoriza memorization, particularly these verses that relate so uh, specifically to the topics that we're studying. But the actual chapter begins with a section that I entitled the, A Brief History of the Bible. Uh, you shouldn't assume that they uh, are familiar with or have a confidence in the Bible as we have it today, or that they know the history of the Bible. So you do need to spend a little bit of time on this, and I know you can only, uh, most of us can only work with what we have there in front of us, but we can certainly encourage them to learn more about the history of the Bible with some other sources, and those are always provided in the back. It's important for us to address the history of the Bible because there's nothing really under attack more that would have an impact, a direct and negative impact, on our confidence in what the Bible says. So we want to go over the history of the Bible, and we want to build some confidence in our disciple that from the time Paul wrote, say, the book of Galatians, or Moses penned the Pentateuch, that there has been a, uh, an integrity to the copying, the transmission of the text, that we've gotten from the original words of the prophets to the translations that we have today, and we have what is really a 99% 
clear, accurate picture of what was originally written. God has certainly preserved the, the transmission of the Bible from the original writings to today. It's remarkable. It's better than any other ancient book. I've got some quotes there uh, for you in the chapter about archaeology and uh, just the textual evidence that we have. And I know it's such a broad topic. I would encourage that you get your partner if there's any questions or any doubts or any areas that are fuzzy in their understanding of the history of the Bible to do some more reading. So just go to that bibliography. Maybe together you can help him pick out or her pick out a, a title that might be uh, helpful. There's a couple there that are just broad and cover the whole thing. Uh, Geisler and Nix's book, uh, From God to Us, would be a good one if you don't know where to start. But it would be uh, important that we don't leave that section without, without at least uh, trying to discover and uh, come to an agreement about where they stand uh, regarding the, uh, the reliability of the Bible that we have today and that they have a confidence that what we're reading from is a very, very, very good and clear, accurate representation of what was originally penned. Next, we get into a section about the uh, study of the Bible being study, that it's actually work. And any time in the Christian life we deal with spiritual disciplines that are going to take time and effort, it always comes down to stressing the importance of uh, priorities and time management. We really need to talk about that. It's just like someone who makes a commitment to live healthy or go to the gym. They have to prioritize it. They have to manage their time. They have to carve out time to do whatever they do for those important priorities that they make. And as Christians, to be people uh, of God's Word who study it and know it, who uh, can get into the riches of the Word of God, we have to make this a priority. So in this section, when we talk about study being study and uh, knowing it's going to take some effort, uh, you want to talk to them maybe a little bit about their concerns or their struggles in terms of priorities and time management. And maybe it comes down to just rearranging our schedule a little bit to have that time and place where every day we're going to expend the effort that we need uh, to actually engage in our own personal Bible study. Of course, one of the most important goals that we have for this chapter is making sure that we move from any kind of haphazard or a thoughtless approach to Bible study, which for many people is just turning in the Bible, looking for verses that may mean something to them. Moving from that kind of haphazard approach to understanding a method that will take us thoughtfully and carefully through a passage, uh, we call it the TAN method, uh, then, always, and now. We want to think about then, the biblical context for what was written. Then we need to move from then to an always mentality, which is thinking about the principle that we draw from the text that has a timeless uh, element to it uh, that is, is true for all Christians throughout all of time. And then we can start working on application and the now, uh, what it means and how it can be applied to the uh, everyday uh, events and, and activities of our own lives. Then, always, now. We're moving from just reading a verse, what does it mean to me, how does it impact me, to going back to capture the, uh, the authorial intent. What is the author uh, getting at? What is the original audience intended to understand? And then we can say, great, we share a lot in common with those Christians uh, of the first century or those followers of God during uh, David's day. Uh, and then there are some things that we don't share in common. And what are those? Making sure that we are able to extract from a passage uh, the timeless truth. And then we can start on application. Biggest problem we make is starting with application. What does this passage do in terms of my thoughts, my feelings, my actions without going back to the original context? Then always now we can't stress it enough how important it is to learn this method and be able to always start 
with the author back then, what, what was the context, what was the setting before we ever move forward. Very important, and that's really uh, the bulk of what we're trying to accomplish in this chapter. As we think about the first step in uh, inductive Bible study, this uh, then, we call it the then step, uh, we can't underestimate uh, how challenging this is. It, it's difficult. We're dealing with uh, and a very uh, old context. If it's the New Testament, it's 2,000 years old. If it's uh, King David, it's it, back in the, the, the monarchy of Israel, it's, it's 3,000 years old. Uh, we can go all the way back to Moses' time, 3,400 years ago. This is uh, a lot of time span uh, to, to have a lot of questions arise about what these, um, uh, the, the setting of a particular passage might have meant. And to get ourselves in the sandals of the original audience is a challenge, and it really shouldn't be done without some, uh, some help. Uh, we can't just guess at what these things mean. We, we need some help. And that's why the section, when we discuss understanding a uh, then of a passage, is uh, always going to, it's always going to involve a discussion about books, because uh, even at a bare minimum, if we uh, approach a passage and there is some cultural reference or even some phrase or idiom that has some ancient origin, we need, uh, at the very least, a study Bible uh, or a Bible dictionary that's going to help us unravel what it means. Uh, we've got to have uh, some help. So we talk about that. We give some suggestions. Certainly there's some in the uh, uh, bibliography, but it would be good for you to share some of the struggles that you have had. Maybe even get a few examples out on the table where you can show that if you just rush uh, through this step thinking it's easy, you can easily be led into some kind of error or misunderstanding about the text. So we have to become a bit of a student here, a scholar of an ancient culture, and, and think in ancient terms to be able to rightly understand the context and the original intent. Uh, it's not so hard in some books. And as a matter of fact, I would say if you've got a brand new Christian, all of this is new to them, uh, it'd be good to start in a, maybe a New Testament book like the, like the book of James. Uh, very proverbial, and by that I mean a lot of statements are timeless as they lie there in the pages of Scripture. Uh, and there's not a lot of then that you have to extract. It gets more difficult when you get into books like Hebrews or the book of Galatians, uh, or even reading through the Gospels can be challenging at times to understand uh, uh, you know, leprosy or you know, the, the cultural context of the Pharisees. So James might be a good book. Even an Old Testament book, if you want the simplest book in all of the Bible, it would be the book of Proverbs itself. Uh, where if you've got a very young Christian and, and uh, you're going to slowly get them, or they have nothing but a Bible and they need to uh, learn this method as they go along, uh, you could certainly start in Proverbs chapter 10 and get some very um, unencumbered verses that don't have a lot of historical context, although you'll find some in Proverbs, uh, but you'll be able to quickly get through this. But as a Christian matures, and the more they learn a little bit more about the context of Judaism and about Old Testament Judaism and about the role of the law and about the Pharisees and the priesthood and all those things, then, of course, we can venture into uh, more uh, complex books of the Bible and uh, be able to work through this. But it's probably not going to be done without a good uh, Bible introduction book or a commentary that doesn't have a lot of interpretation in it. We want to commentary that's just going to spend a lot of time on the setting, the original setting of the, uh, of the text itself. And that's why a good study Bible is uh, often helpful, because the notes will explain some of these ancient uh, uh, cultural references or cultural idioms. But then is not easy. Then is probably the, the most difficult, uh, because we have to go back into a time that we didn't live in to understand the context of any statement made in the Bible and make sure we're not just rushing to an interpretation. 
The second step in TAN, the always step, um, we, we need to show a great deal of care when we go about doing that because uh, we want to not apply something uh, or believe that something is uh, beyond the culture of a particular text that may not be. Uh, now, there's danger on both sides. Some people will look at a passage of Scripture and dismiss it as cultural, and yet it's not. But uh, more often than not, there's something that's embedded in some biblical context that we think may be applicable to every Christian when, in fact, it, it's not. So what we have to look for, and some clues are uh, things like the character of God. God is immutable. God does not change. And when a passage has something in it that relates to uh, informing us about who God is, how God operates, and, and how God thinks, what God values, certainly those are going to cross all cultural and time barriers. Uh, and as we look at ourselves as people and realize that the people of the Bible are just like us, at least in one way, and that they were sinners and fallen and could not please God on their own, those are things that can help us draw principles out that are timeless. And as we state those, though it may be just in a bullet point or two in any passage, uh, we're going to try and state those as timelessly as we can. Uh, people instead of uh, them or us. Uh, all Christians instead of uh, the Ephesians or the Colossians. We're going to try to, to word it in a way that can transcend any particular context of culture, uh, any particular historical context, and try and make sure that we're doing our best to reduce and, and synthesize the teaching of a particular passage into a principle or two or three principles that give us some understanding uh, about God, ourselves, the world, how we should behave, uh, the behavior that God uh, is prompting or cherishes or loves or whatever it might be, uh, but we're looking for that that timeless, um, the, the capturing of a timeless statement. Uh, so that that is that can be difficult. I certainly think then is a bit more difficult because we didn't live back then, uh, but the always can be a challenge as well. Well, after a lot of restraint uh, by making sure that we don't rush to application, by the time we get to the, the end or now step of inductive Bible study, we want to make sure that we are uh, really being open and really being honest with ourselves when we get to the, uh, the now section. We want to not hold back. We want to be as specific as we can, uh, looking at the general principles that have been extracted from a text and, and applying them to our lives. And not just one dimension of our lives. This is a problem our partners often have. They look at maybe their life at church or their relationships at church. But we need to uh, recognize that uh, all of these principles, they are applied to us as whole people and can be applied in every area of our lives. Our, our thought life, our financial life, our, uh, our, our relationships at work, um, you know, how we function with our neighbors and our neighborhood. We really need to try and press for a kind of specificity um, in our application that doesn't hold back. And a lot of this is going to require uh, kind of a purposeful vulnerability in our daily Bible study. Uh, kind of like David in Psalm 139, search me, try me, know my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me. We need to go before God prayerfully after we really think we have that clear picture of the principle or truth from the passage and, and prayerfully be open before God and say, God, I really want to apply this to my life. I want this to have some impact in how I think, what I value, how I behave, how I operate, how I talk to people. Uh, so uh, God, help me get specific in how this can make a difference in my life and how through this principle, my life can change and really interact with people uh, in a more Christ-like way. So we need to press and encourage uh, a kind of um, real specific application in step three and not hold anything back in terms of an area of my life uh, that God's word needs to affect. So 
we want to push a real specific application here. In the next section of partners, we talk about keeping it going. And uh, to do that, we need to uh, set up some accountability with our partner to make sure that there is a daily time in the Word. And uh, all of our lives are, you know, filled with surprises and unexpected events. And sometimes life can be chaotic. Uh, and we don't want to, uh, you know, make this some kind of, um, of overly assertive burden. But we certainly want to help our partner make this a regular habit of their lives. I mean, it takes up to a month to really establish a regular habit in our lives. And if this is going to be a priority to get in the Word every day, look at a text, whether it's one verse, two verses, or three verses, and say, what did it say to the original audience? What are the eternal principles? And how do I apply it to my life? Then that needs to be something that we keep our partner accountable for doing. And they can, in turn, keep us accountable for doing it. Just a simple text message, an email. Did you get in the Word today? What did you learn? Uh, how did it go? Uh, that's what we need to keep uh, our partner accountable for. And the steps that I spell out in the partner's manual in this section have to do with a time and a place. Uh, of course, that is so helpful if we have a regular time and a regular place, but then just to continue uh, to stay in touch. Even after partners, your formal relationship is over in partners, uh, maybe to put on your daytime or your calendar to get in touch with your partner six weeks after you're done, six months down the road, a year from now, and just check in. How are your Bible study methods going? How is your daily time in the Word? Uh, that it would be really helpful. And maybe even that daily texting back and forth or emailing or phone calling can certainly uh, be that little extra encouragement that we need to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, as the Bible says, and really keep someone in the Word on a daily basis. So push for accountability. Uh, invite accountability in your own life in this regard. And uh, make sure that the two of you uh, are, are, are committing together uh, to be in the Word and engaging in personal daily Bible study. Chapter 3 is uh, functioning, functioning under the uh, assumption, stated assumption, that uh, this is distinct from Bible reading. Bible study, obviously, is going further than just uh, that kind of cursory overview, that 30,000-foot view of the Bible. But we don't want to neglect that either. Because it could take us years to get through uh, you know, a good chunk of the Bible if we're just going a verse uh, or two at a time. So Bible reading, taking us from Genesis to Revelation, is important. And uh, certainly at our church, we have that uh, kind of built into the culture of our lives on our website, on the back of our worksheet every week. But utilizing some method, uh, if you don't have it at your church, uh, you want to make sure that we're getting our partner to, to just read the Bible. And not to read it, to study when we're just cruising through it from Genesis to Revelation to get that overview. Because if you do that, it'll be a frustrating process where you're stopping every paragraph and trying to untangle something. Sometimes we just need to get that reading under our belt to get the big picture. So we want to encourage that. In the last section, we talk about other uh, ways that we get the Bible into our lives. We certainly need to go to church, listen attentively at church, uh, take notes at church to the uh, exposition of the Word from our pastor, uh, we need uh, even to listen to the radio. Sometimes it's good to inundate our lives with the preaching of the Word throughout the week. And as good Bereans, always checking what we know to be true from our own study of the Word to what we're hearing on the radio, knowing that's not always um, filled with accurate Bible teaching, that sometimes you get some divergence there. Uh, and then every now and then, just making a project out of a particular passage and tearing it apart, going and exploring a passage really in depth and I uh, mentioned that in the partner's manual, and it's a good thing. And it's going to happen if ever your partner is asked to teach somewhere. Even if they're teaching in a kid's program or in a youth program, they're going to have to take a passage if they're going to teach the Bible and really tear it apart, go far deeper than they would even in a daily Bible study. 
So uh, that's a good thing. And if you've done that as a partner, uh, you know the challenge of that. And maybe even you can help your partner with that when they uh, get asked to do that or if they just do that on their own. And maybe they've got an afternoon on a Saturday and they just tackle some passage they may have highlighted in their daily Bible reading, and they're just going to go all out and go as deep and as far as they can in a particular verse to master what it's saying, understand it in depth, maybe look at every book that they've got access to, every commentary, and try and uh, understand the text on a new level. So that's a good practice as well. I talk about meditation on the Word. Uh, I know that's a word that's been ripped off by a lot of Eastern uh, religions and even in our day, New Age folks, but uh, to meditate on a text, to take a text and, and, the, and the, the wording of the text and just bathe our minds in that, shut out everything else and just spend time kind of mentally chewing on a text, that's another way we can get the scripture into our lives. So that last section there that deals with various ways to get the Bible into our lives, just good to talk about it, maybe ask what the habits are of your partner. Maybe you can add something to that if they're not reading through the Bible to get them doing that. Maybe they never listen to preaching beyond the Sunday. Uh, most pastors, I know at our church, we've got all of our sermons available online. They can download them, they can stream them, put them on their MP3 players. All of that can be a great way to continue to get the Word into our lives. So encourage your partner to do that. Chapter 3, very practical purpose, uh, measurable product. We're looking for time in the Word, focused prioritized, um, undistracted time in the Word. And I know life can make that difficult. And maybe you've got a partner with some extreme circumstances and you just want to you know, make some kind of uh, uh, compromise in terms of how this happens. Maybe it's three days a week to start with. Uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's four days a week, whatever it might be. You want, though, to, by the end of this chapter, uh, have some improvement and some... Um, schedule some kind of priority and time given uh, to personal Bible study. So that's the goal. You want to encourage, you want to pray, you want to do all that you can uh, to make that a reality, in uh, an increasing reality in the life of your partner. So uh, utilize all that you've got there. Look carefully through the bibliography. Uh, note all the uh, deeper studies and all the key helps in the margin. Those will help keep uh, the conversation moving. And I think by this point in partners, you're getting a feel for where your partner is in terms of maturity and time management and all of that. And you can begin to address some of those as you go along. But um, that's certainly my prayer in writing this. It's such an important part of the Christian life. And uh, I'm praying that God will use you to do your part uh, in your partner's lives to make this uh, an increasing reality for them.